Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Believe it or not, many people are still recovering from the flooding that swept through the Chicagoland area this month. I'm Michael Puente, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. From July 2nd to the 18th, over 12,000 reports of flooded basements were filed to 311. That's more than all of 2021 and 2022 combined. As many people look for solutions, some are turning to one that was supposed to stop this. That's the Deep Tunnel Flooding Project. It's the Chicago area's massive flood control backup plan. So why couldn't it handle recent storms? We turn to Chicago Tribune environment and public health reporter, Michael Hawthorne for more. Michael, what about the storms earlier this month that made them so much more destructive than previous ones? Well, really, since 2008, we've been seeing more of these intense storms. Uh, It's not necessarily the idea that we have more rain over a year. It's that it, it comes in really fast, really intense increments. And so that storm on the second was an example of that. And our sewers are flood control project, just that it wasn't designed to handle these new storms that are being driven by climate change. So tell us a little bit more, people who are new to this, what is the Deep Tunnel Project? So technically it's called the Tunnel and Reservoir Plan, uh, TARP. Uh, you know, they can get confusing, but that's what the government people uh, call it. You know, flooding and basement backups and uh, pollution going into Lake Michigan, a big problem in the 60s. And the region, the region's leaders decided that the answer would be this build these giant tunnels. You know, this is the city of Chicago, actually the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. At the time, it was called the Sanitary District. It's a separate entity from city government or county government. It uh, is basically in charge of the overall management of the Chicago River system, which, you know, audaciously at the turn of the last century, they reversed the river. So as to protect our um, source of drinking water, Lake Michigan, the tunnels were then built to try to prevent the re-reversal of the lake or the, of the river out into the lake. But as I've reported several times, uh, the, since the tunnels themselves were finished in 19, 2000, eh, 1996, um, that there's been more uh, sewage and runoff discharged or dumped into Lake Michigan than the previous two decades combined. So the district would say, well, you know, it could have been much worse. But when they were when they had their cup out asking Congress for funding in the 1970s, that's when construction began on this massive project. They vowed that the tunnels themselves, just the tunnels, would uh, would bottle up rainstorms. That's the way they put it. And uh, what we're finding based on the type of storms that we're getting and it's usually one a year or one every other year. They're like a monsoon-like storm. It overwhelms the first the sewers, you know, mm-hmm. from your home. That's when you get basement backups. And then right. the 
water and the runoff and the sewage just can't get through the system fast enough. And that's when things start going haywire, when when sewage and runoff start going sure. into the Chicago River, Desplaines River, and then eventually they have to open those locks and gates and send it all out into Lake Michigan. Right. So it was a problem 50, 60 years ago, and it remains a problem. In this last storm, how could people tell that the reservoir just wasn't working? Well, it's not so much that it wasn't working. It's just that the the tunnels, think about it, though. These tunnels, some of them are 35 feet in diameter. I mean, they're mm-hmm. gigantic underground right. tunnels. Um, but and they and they were largely empty when the storm began on on the early you know early morning of July second. But if you have tunnels that are going all the way from the North Shore to Southwest suburban Stickney, the water just can't get through the system fast enough to get to the reservoir. And so it was roughly about 11 o'clock in the morning on the 2nd, and the reservoir was still had a lot of capacity, but you were getting these 311 calls, basement backups, sewage in basement, uh, water on streets, and then uh, sewage and runoff going into parts of the Chicago River up off of Lawrence Avenue on the north side, and then throughout the whole system. So, uh, you know, during the day, the reservoir filled up pretty quickly, but there was time there where the problems of basement backups and sewage overflows into the river were happening, even though there was space in that reservoir. So that suggests that even though the reservoir is going to be significantly expanded by 2029, if you can't get the water there, the runoff, the sewage there fast enough, we're not going to be solving the problem. Now, you and me were talking a little bit before the segment start that the reservoir in the like near the Thornton Quarry, that one seems to be doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, it, it actually has. Since since that uh, came online, the, the, the larger Thornton Reservoir, there have been very few sewage overflows into that part of the water shed, which basically the Calumet River, Little Cal, mm-hmm. Calsag Channel, uh, Thornton Creek. Um, that's a much, you know, they're taking water from a much smaller uh, geographic area, right. and it seems to work. Um, a, a scientist who studies this whole system once described it as a large bathtub, and it's just that the bathtub isn't big enough for the bulk of Cook County and Chicago to handle all of that water coming in at once. And then you on top of that, you've got all the sewage from from uh, factories and mm-hmm. from homes. They're going into the same sewers, and that's when things get really messy. And we were talking about the Thornton Quarry and the reservoir there. That's in the south suburbs near Harvey and Homewood, and you can see it off the expressway there. almost looks like where uh, Fred Flintstone works, actually, <laughs> yeah, the quarry. Exactly. So is there any way to tie in, since there since that one seems to be working, is there any way to tie in, say, Areas more north to accommodate rain, maybe just pushing it down. Well, south. yeah, people at the at the water reclamation district have actually suggested that the tunnels should be expanded. There should be more tunnels dug. And the the project now is already three point eight billion dollars in taxpayer money. We're still paying that. Um, federal and local taxpayers are still paying for that. Um, it's way more expensive than it was supposed to be when um, construction began in 1975. Um, and that kind of money from Congress is just not going to be coming uh, the way it 
did in the 1970s after the Clean Water Act was enacted and and there was a lot of funding for sewage treatment and and flood control. So that's probably a very unrealistic thing, even though it exists on paper. The other ideas are essentially trying to keep storm water out of the sewers in the first place or at least delay mm-hmm. it going to the sewers. So you've got a lot of projects in Westchester, uh, on the south, you know, southwest suburbs, also up in Winnetka, Wilmette, Evanston area, where they're basically building giant retention basins. Mm. And the idea is to just hold the water for a little while until the system calms down or the storms pass and then it can be released into the tunnels and then to the quarry and then to uh, one of the treatment plants so it can be safely treated and then discharged uh, into the Chicago River. So is the the deep tunnel a sort of a letdown? <laughs> well, it depends on the way you want to look at it. If you look at the um if you look at the um the hubris of of sanitary district leaders in the 1970s, they mocked uh, small-scale neighborhood-focused alternatives to this massive public works project. You know, a lot of contracts. There were a lot of federal corruption investigations involving the sanitary Mm. district for this and a number of other things. They've mostly cleaned up their act uh, in more recent years. And, um, you know, the contracts are still there. Companies are making a lot of money, and uh, the problem still exists. So, uh, you know, I think a a lot of the things that the sanitary district, now MWRD, mocked in the 1970s, the so-called solutions to flooding problems, was the the cover of one really sharply written document um, that the district put out in the mid-70s when People like Scott Bernstein from the Center for Neighborhood Technology were saying, hey, we need to have more rain uh, gardens, more Mm -hmm. retention basins, more uh, overhead sewers in people's uh, basements. Um, The district mocked that. Now they're trying to get Springfield to give them money and authority to do that. (laughs) To do just that. (laughs) To do just that. How does climate change factor into this entire situation? Well, we have the situation where the the, the atmosphere is getting hotter. Scientists say that uh, our atmosphere, it's, it's hotter than it's been in thousands of years. And that has two effects that seemingly be, are a little bit counterintuitive, but, but, but bear with me for a second. Number one, all of that hot air it sucks moisture out of the ground. That's why we're seeing droughts in so much Uh, so many parts of the country, including actually Illinois. Um, But then all of that moisture in the air means that the storms can be much more dangerous, much more deadly. And so you have these periods of very dry weather. Uh, For example, last year, it was a pretty dry year. There weren't a lot of sewage overflows. There was no reversal of the Chicago River into Lake Michigan because we didn't get as much rain or we didn't get Mm -hmm. intense rain. So 2013 was really the worst year that we've had in recent years, 2008. And then this July storm more recently, you know, a a lot of rain in a short amount of time, uh, eight inches, if I recall correctly, the National Weather Service said fell in Berwyn, West Suburban Berwyn, you know, in a matter of a couple of hours. And and as as one scientist put it to me, uh, no... No system, no physical system can handle that. And so 
you know, asking the tunnel reservoir plan, asking for that big giant public works project to take care of storms that weren't predicted when they when this was on the you know the planning table in the sixties mm. and seventies. Um, I think it's unrealistic. So, you know, what people at the district would say is it could be worse. And so that's, you know, maybe what we have to live with. Again, though, there are these smaller scale local uh, types of solutions. For example, I still see new construction. You have the downspouts on a home going straight into the storm sewer. Bad idea. And I can't believe still that the city, like the city building code, hasn't banned that because that's mm-hmm. sending all of that water off of a roof straight into the sewer that's already going to be overwhelmed with one of these storms. If you disconnected that downspout, directed it to a rain barrel or directed it to the street or, you know, your backyard, it's going to help the system if you multiply that over you know, multiple houses in multiple neighborhoods. Well, Mike, we only got a little time left. You talked a little bit about some of the other solutions, but as more rain comes, we're still getting deeper into the summer, you know, Alderman, the city, and all these people are going to still getting calls from angered homeowners as to, hey, my basement is flooded. What other solutions are there besides the deep tunnel? Well, again, it's uh, it's disconnecting downspouts. It's rain gardens. If you have, uh, you know, if you have uh, an area in your yard that you can use as essentially a, a catch basin uh, to slow the runoff down. Uh, there are these things called backflow valves that a plumber can and install. So sewage only goes one way. It only goes out of your house. It doesn't come back into your house. Uh, that's a, a small solution that can really help people out, although it could screw your neighbors if they don't have one of these things too. Um, but people are doing that. Um, and I think talking about it, uh, you know, angry aldermen, angry citizens, you know, not hiding the fact that, that, that you know, that your basement flooded, actually sharing that, realizing that you're not alone, that you're actually one of thousands of people in this city, Chicago, you know, a city built on a swamp. Remember, um, we're a low-lying area already. And and so that's, you know, really our first issue, our first problem. Um, and there are things individuals can do to protect themselves, protect their property. Uh, but ultimately, it's going to take a larger solution from the city of Chicago, Cook County government and the Water Reclamation District. Well, that was Michael Hawthorne of the Chicago Tribune. You can check out Michael's reporting at chicagotribune.com and WBEZ's analysis of the areas most impacted at WBEZ.org. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot and was edited by Mehad Ahmad and Ethan Schwab. Want more Reset on the go? Subscribe to this podcast. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok and sign up for our newsletter. Just go to WBEZ.org slash Reset News to sign up. That's all for Reset this morning. I'm Michael Puente. Sasha Ann Simons will be back to chat with you this afternoon.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.